Welcome back to the Get Unstuck and On Target podcast. I'm Mike O'Neill with Bench Builders, and we help growing companies, especially manufacturers, improve their people, process, and planning systems so they can scale smarter and faster. Joining me again is David Adams. David is an executive recruiter and the founder of CareerLink Network. Today's topic is interviewing tips. Not you interviewing the candidates, but you, the candidate, being interviewed. Hey, welcome back, David. Thank you, and thank you for inviting me back. Well, I invite you back for several reasons, one of which you did a great job when you were with us earlier. And two, I can't think of anybody who is more qualified to offer your insights on how to prepare for and present yourself when you're the candidate. I can only imagine you probably have involved with placing hundreds, if not thousands of professionals. I have. And being prepared to do an interview is pretty much the only way that you're going to win. It's a very competitive market, not only for the clients trying to hire, but there's a lot of people fighting for the same kind of role. I prep my candidates on how to win. If you go to bother to interview, let's play to win. Mm. With that in mind, let's talk a little bit about the organization that you run. You started this, you've added recruiters to the team. Um, you place folks in a wide variety of settings. Yes. Is, is there any pattern to the types of positions that you are most often asked to fill? We have we do everything from entry level all the way to the C-suite. We find that working laterally with our clients is the best so we don't honestly know what kind of role is going to come forward. We get a lot of project management roles, project coordinators, marketing, sales, um, executive leadership roles in a variety of, of industries. I often say that I place everything from CRISPR-Cas9, uh, artificial intelligence, to concrete. And we can bounce successfully back and forth. But there's a tremendous common thread that runs in interviewing. It doesn't matter what type of position you're interviewing for, there are certain key core questions that will come up that I've learned over my now 30 years of doing this that candidates tend to not handle well, uh, which can blow the interview. And so I have devised a prep session that will pull those questions out so they pre-answer in their minds before they come up. And answering questions about what you do on a daily basis is easy. It's these irritating questions that seem to always come up that they don't know how to answer. So I fix that problem. Well, you not only fix it, but you kind of have the mindset of winning. And I think what we have to be mindful of is the industry that you represent has changed dramatically. Oh, it, I have reinvented myself so many times that it's it's amazing from the type of industries that I've worked for to the type of placements that I do. It's transformed tremendously. So... 
it's changed dramatically, but here's what I'm picking up on, and that is it used to be thought that maybe a recruiter, that's a transaction. Right. A company has an opening, and you supply candidates for that opening. Correct. And that your role primarily is limited to finding the candidates. A sourcer. No, I'm a broker now. I completely broker the deal from start to finish. I actually even help my companies try to find the right avenues to even verbalize what they're looking for. Um, Because it is so hard to attract people. You have to have somebody that can elevate your company to get the attention of the candidate. And then on the candidate side, I have to elevate them to take the time and want to interview. And if they're going to put themselves out, I have to convince them, okay, now I've taken you out of that mindset. We need to play to win. And I'm literally a broker. And then it comes down to the money. That's even you deciding you like my candidate. That's just one portion of the whole deal. You've, you've got to have somebody on my side to push it together because if, I pull somebody out to come and look at your opportunity. Chances are someone else is calling them too. And we have to figure out a plan to win on both sides or we all lose. And that's, I'm now a broker. I am a career broker. So yes, thank you for recognizing it is different. It's not transaction. It is brokering. You know, part of the thing you do as a broker is when you help the employer clarify exactly what they're looking for, knowledge, skills, abilities, aptitudes, cultural fit. But then you also are working with the candidates themselves. That is, my assumption is, is that when you present a candidate or candidates to the mm-hmm. client, mm-hmm. You want to give them the best choice they can, but you right. want those candidates to be well prepared for the interview process. That's where we'll probably spend most of our time okay. on this podcast. And that is, absolutely, you have found after doing this as long as you have been doing this, well, there are some common mistakes that interviewers make. Why don't we start with those common mistakes? What do sure. you see? What I usually do. I, I will prepare the candidate by saying, make sure you have a copy of your resume, your BRAC folder, if that's a necessary item and what's going on. And I want the person to take some time to review the company. Now that we have the internet and everything, it's pretty easy. In a matter of minutes, you can track down a good many things about an organization. Mm-hmm. So once I get past that, I prep the candidate on what to expect if it's a Zoom meeting such as this. Mm-hmm. I try to make sure the person's in an environment that they can speak freely, without pets, without children, without phones ringing, with uh, a background drop that's business appropriate. And so most people are pretty down with the Zooms now, so I don't have to do a whole lot on that. But then I take them into the basic questions that are going to come up. And then I give them solutions on how to answer those questions. Uh, for instance, the you can count on these three questions, 
no matter what level you're interviewing for. I don't care if it's your first job out of college or you're going for that top end executive C-suite position. There's going to be the tell me about yourself. Mm -hmm. Why are you looking and why are you interested in us? Mm. Those three questions sound very easy. Those three questions are the most destroyed by a candidate that's out there. You can talk about your process, what you do, everything, why you're special in your industry. But if you haven't pre-thought those answers, you're going to fail. So I give them an example on tell me about yourself. You start out with your college education, then you move up to a couple of working experiences that are relatable to what it is that this company is, ending with where you are presently. Mm-hmm. But then you stop and say, tell me, Mr. Employer, what are you looking for to hire for this role? Let's compare my experience and see if this works well for both of us. Mm. And that opens up a question that the interviewer has to give back. Well, we're looking for X, Y, and Z. That's your ammunition to sell your background and shoot what you have to fit what they want. And so, and then I go even further and say, if there's something you're lacking, don't apologize for that. You come back and say, you know what? That's the challenge I'm looking for. That's exactly what gets me excited about the opportunity you have to hire for. And so it flips it back around instead of saying, wow, I don't have that. I don't have X. If you say that, then, you know, honestly, your conversation's kind of over. Come back with, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm excited about that. And that's the challenge I'm looking for. Then you've responded to it. Why are you looking and why are you interested are two other ones that can be very dangerous. The why are you looking? If I'm representing you, it's easy to say, well, you know, David, the recruiter called me. CareerLink Network said that this is a top opportunity. So he gave me time to research your company. Mm-hmm. And after looking at the direction you guys are going, your products, whatever it is that might be a special interest, then, you know, that's why I'm on the uh, on this Zoom call with you. I really like what I have seen. And honestly, that's why I'm on, on the horn with you now. You never want to be negative about your past, present, future, bosses, pay plans, products, competitors, for any reason in an interview. If you are, you will not be hired. So most people, if you ask them, why are you looking? Well, my paycheck's not kept coming on time to, uh, they just back ordered this. They're not supportive of that. That's all negative. They don't want to hear that because you know what? Everybody has something that's negative. And if they hear you say something like that, they're afraid you're going to say that about them at some point. So you have to take the high road and say, I really wasn't looking. The recruiter called me. And after looking at what you have to offer, Wow, I'm excited. That's why I'm on this call. May I go back and kind of recap what you've shared so far? This is excellent. Mm -hmm. Um, You've said it's universal regardless of the position that you may be interviewing for. Uh, We work primarily with key leaders. So I will Mm -hmm. be thinking more along the lines of uh, a key leader. Um, who's been contacted, perhaps by your organization, and you're prepping this executive for that question, tell me about yourself. Let Mm -hmm. me see if I heard this correctly. You give 
an answer, but not necessarily a long-winded answer. Not at all. You're advising our it's listeners. It's your elevator pitch. It's your elevator pitch. So you're you're speaking very succinctly. You don't go back to your childhood. You pick up pretty much in college. Where do you went to college? What's your degree in? And if you've been in the workforce for a while, spot check and share some examples of work experience that may be relevant or closer relevant to the mm. position you're interviewing for. Exactly. And But before you get too far down that, you're advising your clients, our listeners, mm -hmm. is that, yes, you answer that question, but then you answer the question with a question. Right. And ask, tell me a little more about what are you looking for, and let me see if I can speak to that. That's brilliant, David. It's It flips the question back. It makes the person respond, they're going to respond by saying, I want X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. This is what we have to have, or it will not work. And so that gives you the chance then to say, okay, that's what you need to focus on. I, I often say, okay, if you're going to a car lot and you're looking at a car, you know, the, the person's going to come up and say, are you looking for a blue or a red car? Well, if you want red, there's no point in showing blue. You may have 500 blues, hmm. but they won't read. So it's you need to find what is it that they think the role hmm. is so that you can tailor back your experiences to fit their needs. It's that simple. You went on and to that say handles that. the why are you looking and why are you interested in us? You hmm. better have some succinct business reasons that this company is of interest to you. It can't be, well, David called me and... Well, let's face it, Daddy needs to buy shoes. That's not going to work. You need to have, why are you interested in that company? You need to be able to say, well, you know, I've checked out your stock. I've checked out your standing. You've got new products. You've got this. Whatever it is, you better have some sort of business reason. And by the way, I also tell people to never conduct an interview with a company that's, oh, I just want to get to know you. That doesn't exist. That type of interview is more deadly than a straight on interview because you're not prepared. You, if you get a call and you have submitted your resume into a company on your own and you don't have representation, do not take an interview and do it on the fly. You need to go through something like this in order to be prepared. You need, if she, if an HR person calls you and she says, Oh, I just want to get to know you. I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for calling me. I'm very excited to do this. I'm not where we can conduct this interview professionally. Um, there's too many people around me. Let's set a time and let me call you back. Are you free tomorrow at 10 o'clock? Give yourself the chance to be ready. Do not interview off the fly. It, if you do, you chances are if you win, you may, but let's improve your odds. Let's get you ready and improve your odds to win. Mm. This is excellent. You also reminded us that that question of why you're looking is that though there may be some negative reasons why you might, you you do not necessarily Can't. want to share that. Can't do it uh, because it, it, you're not going to be able to present it in a proper way. There are situations where my 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 company got bought. I'm losing my job. That's factual. If you can mm -hmm. be factual, that's okay. And the, but you follow up by saying, uh, here's a letter. I can send you a letter that shows it was them and not me. 
And so that's being factual, but you also need to stay on the positive. You know, hey, I fully understand it. Companies change. This opportunity that I had changed. It's not personal. It was, you know, it's just business. And then you move on. If you sound like a negative, uh, as they say, a negative Nancy or whatever, it, they're not going to want to hire you. So try to stay as positive. If someone takes you down the negative road, respond to the question and get off of it by saying, well, you know, it was, it's been a, a tremendous learning opportunity for me and I'm much better off for having done it. You, you can't make it sound really super negative. If you do there again, you will fail. You know, David, I, I, you know my background in HR, and when I was sourcing candidates, I'd always kind of you know, read what percentage of people are looking. Right. Um, in your opinion, mm-hmm. what percentage are people looking? Today, it's not very strong. It's, it's a low percentage. Um, and, you know, that will probably change as well in a few years. But right now, if they're looking, there are five companies that are clamoring to get them. And that's why you need somebody that can broker for you. Uh, one, if you're looking, you get a better deal because mm-hmm. I'm going to negotiate and get you what you're looking for. But two, on the company side, your chances of winning are a lot better if you have representation for you as a company trying to move through all the minutia with all these candidates uh, and the tire kickers and what have you. And a lot of states now, as you know, we you can't ask money questions, but I can. I can figure out where they are. and, and Or I may already know because I've pulled from that company, so I know a range. And it just saves an awful lot of time uh, on both ends of it. And then... Uh, one of the things I want to also bring up, I have a client that I said, your your pay plan is not in alignment with what your expectations are by a long shot. I, I'm sorry, I cannot help you because you've been looking for a while. You have to understand your industry pays this and you're down here. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to take your job because they don't need it. And if yes. they do take the job, they're not qualified. So... I can't help you. And so that that is part of it as well. Can we go back to something you said a yeah. moment ago? Because we kind of have gone both from the perspective of the employer, from the right. perspective of you, the recruiter, and the perspective of the candidate. Right. Um, you made a comment about you can't ask about salary information. Right. Just for clarification, some states have basically outlawed that oh, yeah. inquiry by the employer. And most companies now have just withdrawn that. The the bigger the companies that have a defined HR department, they've withdrawn that question. They no longer ask it. It's even been taken off of their um, applications that you have to fill out. They do put expectations, though, mm. and that's where things get tricky. So I can coach people around that. So the workaround is they may say, what are your salary expectations? Mm -hmm. That's more forward looking versus what is or has been your past salary. And not to get too technical fast, but the reason why. How do you answer that? Well, how do you answer that? Yeah. Yes. 
but I have an answer for that one too. Um, first of all, I tell them, and that gets into my questions portion of it, but I'll go ahead and jump to that one. If a company asks you, what are your salary expectations? There's a couple ways to do that. And I find the most effective is to say, I'm on a package that pulls me to uh, 150. However, what's more important to me is the opportunity and the chance to improve myself and my career. Can I do that by joining your team? And, or you can also say, um, you know, I'm on a package that pulls me to X, but what I'm more interested in is the opportunity and with my efforts, the chance to improve. If it's sales related, can I do that? by joining your team. Always get that team word in too. And they have to come back and say yes. And so you have them saying yes to you in an interview. And psychologically, you start building a profile that's falling into your favor. If they come back and say, yeah, you're a little out of our expectations of what we can pay. So you know what? Let's not make this about money. Let's make this about me being a fit in the company. If mm -hmm. I'm a fit in the organization, we'll find a way to work the other out. So today let's concentrate on me being a fit and then we can tackle that at another time. And so the interviewer is sitting there going, you can't overcome that. It's like, okay, if you're hitting tennis balls back and forth, you just hit a grand slam. They can't get that one back to you. So there you go. And it works. So if I understood what you said correctly, and that is when they ask, what are your expectations, the way that you advise the candidate would be, I'm, I'm, I'm on a accustomed path. on a path, and you kind of give a total number. That yeah. total number may be base. It may be base plus bonus. It may be base plus bonus plus benefits, however you – that. but it's what you're path. just trying to – it's a it's a package it's not clearly defined but what you're doing is putting a number out there and if they don't choke <laughs> then you're in good shape then you're in good shape yeah and uh, if they do choke you still have an out you can say let's make it about me being a fit with you the rest of it can be worked out and so and that's particularly effective if the role has a a, a bonus factor attached to it in some way Yes. And most roles that I work on have some form of a bonus or they have commissions and a bonus. There's usually more than one way to build up to that money. When you do that, they're most likely not going to say, well, what is your your uh, salary now? They're not going to ask that. They just know they're in range. And so I'm never going to present someone to a company that can't afford I why do it? Why right. should I put you in? If your expectations are two and they're at one, there's too great of a difference. There's no reason to move you forward. And so that's how to handle that particular question. Now, after, uh, oh, there's one other question, one other basic question that generally ask people that hmm. it's the question I hate the most. It's the, what do you want to be when you grow up question? The, what's your five-year goal? Where do you see yourself in five years? Mm. Companies are asking that because particularly now, the generation that's between 25 and 35 
move companies about every six months. Mm. And it's unbelievable how fast they move. And they keep getting hired, which is amazing to me, but they still get hired. If you're asked what it is, the five-year goal question, where do you see yourself in five years? There is a good answer. And that answer is, I see myself as a valuable member of your team. And after I have proven myself to be so, I hope I'm recognized for my accomplishments and then advanced accordingly. Mm. What does that mean exactly? It is an answer that you can run on political office with. You have not backed yourself into a corner in any way. And that's the whole thing. You don't want to be pushed into a corner saying, well, if I'm not a manager in six months, I'm out of here. And or what have you. And so that answer works. It, it really does work because every company now, they have some sort of, you know, in six months, we can move you to this, in a year you get moved to that, and then we move you up in finances, title, whatever. But you don't say it. You, I just hope you recognize me for my talents and you move me up. Boom. The, that that answers that question. David, you're on a roll. Keep these <laughs> tips coming. <laughs> well, I, I know we have a, a limited amount of time. So now I usually flip it from there and I give the candidate questions they need to ask. Okay. Because as I'm doing it, I also know that I have, I have generally between, you know, 20 to 30 minutes at most. And if I can get 15 with some people, you know, that's good. So I just, power through these questions. The questions that I suggest that my, my candidates ask are designed to create a, a dialogue or a conversation between the person that's interviewing you and for you to get enough answers to decide if you even want to go forward. I would say play to win. If I'm representing you after the interview, if you don't like it, um, remove you professionally. But over the years, I, I don't even know how many times I've had candidates to come back and they said, you know, I thought about this and I really want. Hmm. Sorry, you didn't follow the program. It's a no. It, it, but if the candidate does everything, then it becomes your decision because the company wants you. And then you can decide, eh, not my cup of tea. I'll stay where I am. Or great, let's move on. So let's go over some of those questions. First of all, I always, add, it's a simple one, but it's like, what are some of the first things that I would need to accomplish when I start on your team? Great. And well, the first thing is, it is an assumptive close question. Anything that comes out of their mouth, you have hit them with a close. And so they're saying yes to you. I don't care. Well, you have to go through training, blah, 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 blah. Doesn't matter. It is, it's an assumptive close question. The second one I say, or I, I suggest is, you know, Mr. Interviewer, I am looking for a career home. I have a position now, but I'm looking for a career home. I think I see that. That being said, could you share with me your thoughts on the company's commitment level to this position, if it's a sales role, the territory and the products, mm. or just the position. 
and then you stop and you let the company come back and they start selling to you mm. the company's commitment level. Companies always want to know your commitment level. Let's hear theirs. And if they start selling back to you psychologically, you're advancing to the top of their choices because now they're saying, oh, we're very committed, blah, 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 whatever they, they're saying. Or worse, well, you know, Fred didn't make it, Barney didn't make it, now we're going to try you. Yay, let me step up to that knot. <laughs> and so it gives you an idea of what they think the company is committed to. And it helps you to decide, do I want this or not? So it, it really is a very good question. Um, let's see, what else? Their commitment level. Um, what do I need to focus on if I'm on your team? What do I need to focus on to make this position what you want it to be? Mm. That's another question you can ask. Um, why are you hiring this role? I can typically tell you why the opening is there, but let's assume you don't have representation and you're going through the interview. You know, share with me, why is this role open now? Well, that can open up a whole can of worms. There again, somebody may have failed, what have you, and the territory or the position may be tainted and you're walking into a hornet's nest. And that's okay. You may be the kind of person that loves that challenge. Mm -hmm. And if they come back, that sounds negative. You can come back and say, you know what? I'm really glad that this territory is on the bottom ranks. I'm going to come in and I'm going to be a hero because I'm going to take it to the top. If they, if the positions, well, this is top. It's the best territory in the company. We promoted them out and I'm not sure how well you can do with it. You know what? That's exactly the challenge I'm looking for. If it's already at the top, I'm going to take it to the next highest. I'm going to find places that you know, person didn't see. So there's any way that you can go to outrun that when you ask that question. There's two ways you can go with it. Generally speaking, interviewers like to be the glass is half empty and it's, you know, and it's got a hole in it's draining in the shoe. And so you have to be able to flip that back around to a positive. No matter which way it goes, it needs to be to a positive. Now, the most important question that you can possibly have is a closing question. I don't care if you're going for an engineering role, sales role, top executive role, it doesn't matter. You need to be able to ask, have I won your vote? And depending on your disposition, the closing question can go a lot of different ways, but hey, say, hey, I've enjoyed chatting with you and I hope to hear from you. That is not a closing question. You have to ask for their vote. And it, uh, an example, have I won your vote? We've spent the last 30, 40 minutes on, on the Zoom call together based on what we've gone over. What are your thoughts? Have I won your vote to go to the next step? Because you know what? I would like to. Hmm. And then stop, do not say anything else and let them come back and say, you know, we're interviewing, we've got like 20 people that we're interviewing. Um, 
you know, this, that, and another. I'm going to have to check my crystal ball, and you know, blah, blah, blah. Excuse, excuse, excuse. That's okay. That's called a roadblock. You come back and say, you know what? I'm not surprised that you have a lot of people to pick from. This is a great role. You guys have a lot going on. Hmm. But while I have you on this Zoom call or phone call or in-person call, um, while I have you, your attention right now, have you heard the things from me to determine if I get to put be pushed forward to that next step? Because this is really important to me. And then stop. And they're going to generally say yes. Uh, because they, at that point, they want rid of you. So they're going to say yes. But at least you have forced them to give you an affirmative. And that's what you're looking for. Because psychologically, you're still building your case. And you're trying to win that next step. Even if you may not want it, win the step. And then you get to, you get to decide, not let them decide. So these things really do work. The, in conclusion to it, I always make sure that they ask for the person's contact email information. If, it's a, if that person has been responsible for setting up the Zoom call, then you generally have their contact. But sometimes HR does it and you don't have all of that. Always get that information and then uh, send a follow-up thank you email. I'm astonished at the people that are like, really, you do this? Yes, always. You, you, it's a simple block style letter. The person's name, the company name, the date. Dear Fred, thank you for the opportunity to interview today for the role of X. I really, after our conversation, I feel like my background would blah, 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 blah. And then drop down. If you have any questions prior to our next meeting, please don't hesitate Hesitate to contact me. My personal cell phone number is sincerely you. It's really simple. Send, boom, done. But I also do this. Never send that letter until you've had a chance to proofread it. Mm-hmm. You need to print that letter, put it on the desk, walk away from the letter, come back five or 10 minutes later, pick it up, read it out loud. Does it say the message you want them to see? If it doesn't, change it and fix it. Once you push send, it's gone. And that's their last reflection upon you. So I do this, that's a little tip I give everyone. I do this myself. If I'm sending a, if I'm just sending you a text or an email, I don't worry about that. But if it's a something that has this significance to it, I do it myself. If I'm introducing myself to a client and they need to know more information, I may take 10 or 15 times looking at it before I send it because I'm a stickler for everything being exactly right. And this newer generation has no concept on how to do that. They would rather send a text. In this situation, a text does not work. And you might say it's better than nothing. No, it isn't. Do the letter. It's simple. Everybody has a computer. Do it. Mm. So that's kind of my, in a a shorter time period, that's kind of what I, I go through. 
if there is specifics to a job, I hone in on those specifics. Um, you know, if I think there's something they need to really highlight in their career, I bring it up. If there's something they need to soft shoot in their career, I give them how to get past it. A lot of times the, the soft shoeing is because they've had too many job changes. That's reality now, the, but the employers still don't like it. It's how you present it. If you have improved yourself each time, you can say, well, I was recruited away for this one. And then a former manager called me and now I'm at this company and David called me. And so I know it looks like a, some quick moves, but I have been able to advance and learn a tremendous amount in a shorter amount of time. So feature advantage benefit, the features, your background, the advantage you have experience, but the benefit is you're going to bring bank to the bottom line quick. So always keep those in mind as well. You've brought a lot of bank to this bottom line on this uh, podcast. We have packed a lot in. Dave, as we kind of start wrapping up our time together, could I ask you to kind of reflect on a situation by which maybe a client of yours was in fact stuck? And what did it take mm -hmm. to help that client get unstuck? Well, there's two sides to that question. On the candidate side, I see people who are going through interviews and they're not winning. Mm -hmm. And they want to make a change, whatever's going wrong in their career, where they are, they want to make a change. And they're interviewing and interviewing and they're losing. There's a reason they're losing is because they're not answering these questions correct. And once I do this prep, they're like, where were you two companies ago? Mm. Well, I didn't represent them. So, you know, that's why they're getting stuck. They're not taking time to do these simple steps. If they will do that, they will become unstuck. On the company side, if they're not prepared to handle this and have reasons why somebody should come over there, they're not going to win either because there's other companies that are going to outbid them. And it is a bidding war right now. Uh, there are territories in, in industries that it is a bidding war to see who can put the greater package in front of someone. And it's, it's, it's tough uh, on both sides of, of the coin. So did that answer? Did that help answer? It answered beautifully from more than one perspective. Dave, you've given us a lot of good information, excellent tips, but if people want to reach out to you and, and connect, what's the best way for them to do so? You can look me up on LinkedIn, first of all, uh, and it's just career link. My name is so common, it's kind of hard to find because there's a zillion of them. But if you uh, go to Google, type in my name, David Adams, Career Link Network, and then the word LinkedIn, it'll pull me right up and then send me a request to join. And please highlight that so I can tell you uh, that you uh, had the chance to view this uh, online uh, service from you. And uh, that way, you know, I will respond. You can also reach out to me. My email address is dadams at careerlinknetwork.com. And my phone number is 423-424-4602. And so I generally answer. If I don't, I try to get back to everyone who calls me. So I guess that's why I'm a little bit different than most. I will answer the phone if, if I can. So You are different than most. Uh, every time I've ever called you, you, you answer. 
and um, are highly responsive. And that's obviously the reason why I wanted to invite you back. Thank you. David, this has been um, most informative. Um, Thanks for sharing yet again your expertise. Absolutely. Happy to do so. I also want to thank our listeners for joining us today. We upload the latest episode to Apple, Google, and Spotify every Thursday. So if you've enjoyed this conversation with David, please subscribe. Is your company growing quickly? Are you worried that you don't have the right people and processes in place to handle that increased workload? If yes, let's talk. Head to bench-builders.com to schedule a call. We'll explore ways to help you solve those nagging problems so you can scale faster and smarter. So I want to thank you for joining us, and I hope you have picked up on some tips from David that would help you get unstuck and on target. Until next time.